What's up, everybody? Welcome to the pregame edition of the Inside OU Podcast on the po- Franchise Podcast Network. This is the third time that I've uh, tried to do the intro, John. Uh, I'm joined by John Hoover, by the way, everybody. Uh, no Rufus Alexander tonight. He is uh, a tad busy. But uh, yeah, it's been a long day, John. I've been doing Thunder stuff all day. Just got home. It's I, I actually forgot today was Friday, so that should just at least give you some clue as to where my brain's at now, which... I actually feel kind of bad saying that to you because, like I just told you before we got on, I learned a lot about West Virginia on the Locked On pod, uh, Sooners podcast that you've been doing Monday through Friday. So I can only imagine how tired you are. You know, um, doing a podcast every day, Monday through Friday, gives me a great appreciation for Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> when all you got to do is just worry about your job. You don't have to That's worry right. about... Um, packing in some information for some segments here and there. I mean, although you're going to be doing your uh, franchise on the radio segment, I'm sure, and um, you may or may not come partake with some food at my tailgate prior to the game, but who knows? It's still going to be busy, but it's a little bit more of a, this is why we do the job, not necessarily so we can sit down and talk into a microphone by ourselves, because I I know how lonely that can be. (laughs) But yeah, OU West Virginia, uh, OU is favored by um, 33 and a half, I believe. It's a 64, uh, the over under is 64 and a half, which, I mean, we are we were also kind of talking about that, John. That's a little shocking to me. I know West Virginia is, they're, they're 500 right now. Austin Kendall is, he's up and down as a quarterback, and that's probably the best compliment that you can give his play thus far as the starting quarterback for West Virginia. But, it's still a little shocking because if you just think about it historically, OU rarely covers after Texas. It's just such an emotional game. So much gets thrown into it. And then it's, it's just kind of a hum, the, the human element of you have that big game. There's going to be kind of a letdown. OU typically wins after Texas, of course, but 33 and a half points spread 64 over and un, over under little surprising to say the least. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. When you consider, especially where uh, West Virginia has been historically, you know, um, even going back to the Richrod days, this is a program, uh, and before that even, uh, this is a program that prides itself on moving the football, scoring the football, and uh, they go out and they hire. You know, Dana Holgerson leaves. They go out and they hire an offensive mind in Neil Brown, and uh, take a look around, and Neil Brown doesn't have any offensive players left. They all went to the <laughs> NFL last year, so. And that offensive line, man, Brady, it's just absolutely horrible. I feel so yeah. bad for really whoever plays quarterback and running back because the it's it's a it's a, it's been a long slog. I have no doubt that that Neil Brown will get his um, offense together. He'll get the guys in there that he wants, and and he'll recruit to West Virginia's talents. But right now, they're struggling. Yeah, I think it was the Kansas game. I can't remember if it was Kansas or Texas where. Austin Kendall was just getting destroyed. Like I, I don't think Kansas or whoever this was, Kansas or Texas, got a lot of sack numbers, but they just hit Austin Kendall pretty much every time he dropped back for anything, for any type of pass play that took a few seconds to develop. Unless it was like a horizontal pass or a quick slant, he was getting hit. So, I mean, the first thing you think of is like, wow, the OU defense, especially the, the defensive line after the performance against Texas, is for real that plays really well into the point spread. That plays really well into OU's chances um, tomorrow morning when they take on West Virginia just because Neville Gallimore is playing at a near 
probably at an NFL level. Ronnie Perkins and Jalen Redman, while um, they haven't been necessarily been racking up sack numbers, um, speed rushing off the edge, they're still creating a lot of havoc and pressure and influencing plays to go away from them or influencing plays to blow up much quicker than the offense wants to. So you, you just got to, that's probably the first thing that I think of is OU's D line versus West Virginia's offensive line. And that is a 10 out of 10 OU advantage all day, every day. It's a straight mismatch. Neville Gallimore made everybody's first team all American mid season, all American list. Um, just it's so did CD lamb by the way, but uh, defensively, you know, Neville is playing at a, at a real high level right now. Uh, that like I've said it before that we haven't seen probably since Gerald McCoy, He's going up against a defensive line, or I'm sorry, an offensive line that uh, they bring back one starter. They brought back two starters from last year, but Josh Sills ends up getting hurt. He's out for the season. They, I, I counted them up going into this season. The other four guys that they have currently starting, besides their left tackle Colton McKivitz, the other the other four guys have a combined 12 career starts. So they're young, they're inexperienced, they're not very good. I guess you could say. Uh, maybe not very good yet would be a polite way of putting it. But, yeah, Oklahoma's defense and their front seven is going to have an absolute field day. Yeah, I mean, unless Jeff Hotsettler is walking through that door, uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not too concerned. <laughs> um, of course, I mean, West Virginia just, I mean, say since they've joined the— Not Geno Smith. <laughs> say that again. Not Geno Smith. Oh, no Geno Smith. No, thank God. Not uh, Pat, uh, <laughs> what's his name, Pat, uh, the little Pat quarterback. Fields. Pat Fields with uh, Steve Slayton back there. Those guys former aren't coming Miami, to the Former Miami Dolphin quarterback Patrick Fields. Ugh. I, I hate being a Dolphins fan. Um, no, it's like when you think about just all the built-in advantages that OU has against West Virginia in this game, then you also think about West Virginia just has historically not played well in Norman. They've had some, I mean, they've had some pretty bad performances in Morgantown against OU, but um, they, they've just never really fared well, Norman. These games have really gotten out of out of hand rather quickly against OU. And the game is well decided going into the second quarter. It's 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 a game where in the past it's like okay we can all kind of relax. OU's going to win. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. And that's kind of how these games have gone. But um, you got to think uh, defensively. OU should be able to set that tone. And then the offense, while you know it's funny, John, Jalen Hurts gets. He makes two terrible mistakes that really hamper OU's offense. Yes. OU still racked up over 500 yards of offense. Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts still had four touchdowns. He has 25 touchdowns on the year. Is he Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield? No, but he's still pretty damn good. And to me, it's just a little silly that we're all, we've all sat here for a week. Some people have, have just kind of har- harped on, oh, the offense isn't as good as it has been. It's still one of the best in the country. It, it, that's all it has to be is just one of the best in the country, and if the defense keep, keeps playing like it's been playing, then OU is a threat for a playoff berth and potentially even more. Yeah, this, this season it has been obviously about Jalen Hurts and, and the offensive line and C.D. Lamb, but, but really this season for Oklahoma is about the defense and the improvements that are, that are just – they're not obvious anymore. They're glaring. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. The, the the improvements and the changes that that have that have taken place and exist currently on the Oklahoma defense. You talk to the players after practice or after games, and it's a it's a complete 180 from from the way they were talking last year. So, but been a very impressive resurgence for the OU defense. Yeah, and really quick before we get into our little, um, I mean, the formula for these pregame pods. So for everybody that haven't that haven't been able to listen to a pregame pod just yet. 
um, when Rufus is on here with John and I, um, we usually do like three things that we're looking for for the particular game, three things that scare us, and then we finish it all off with a score prediction. And I'll, I'll keep tooting our, our horn, John. Our score predictions are have been fairly accurate, and I'm very proud of that fact. So um, we'll see if we can keep that crazy train rolling. But before we get into that, I did want to mention... Because I feel like that we are the only OU podcast to seriously go all in on OU's kicking game. Um, we didn't talk about it at all on the uh, Monday or Tuesday pod whenever we were able to do it, where we reviewed basically the Texas game. Gabe Burkich, two for two um, against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Two kind of chip shot field goals. That first one, damn near, oh, I was sitting in the uh, OU end zone. It looked like he missed it straight off, but it just went right in. Um, I, I've just got to say it's it's so it, it's so weird to me that he it's just matter of factly he's Gabe Burkich has he didn't start the year he's now starting because Calum Sutherland is in trouble um, and I don't even know if he's still with the team or not I mean I have no idea but he just kind of has walked out there and just all right give me a chip shot I'll, I'll knock it down sometimes it doesn't look pretty but it goes in and just when I'm when I've remembered like OU kickers starting off their careers over the in recent years. Um, like Austin Cyber, uh, Jimmy Stevens, uh, those first few tries were always adventures, and it's just been so matter of fact. Like, okay, oh, he's going to get three points here. So, shout out to Gabe Burkich. He's done well. Um, yeah, I get on the um, on Wednesday on my podcast Wednesday on the Locked On Sooners podcast. I gave uh, the Oklahoma kicker place kickers an incomplete grade, leaning toward a C plus because uh, you know Kyle Sutherland missed his first two kicks of the year. Gabe Burkich's field goals have kind of had a little, I don't know, a little talcum powder on them, slide it right inside the goalpost a couple yeah. of times. Um, and then, uh, you know, the the whole suspension thing, and he's currently not with the team, uh, is what Lincoln Riley said at his presser last week. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that those guys, as a whole, Burkich has been good on kickoffs, but he needs to be a little more steady when it comes to putting it right down the middle of the uprights. Yeah, it would make me uh, not scream as much like when, once it's going on i guess really, really quick. Great. when are they going to need a 45 yard field goal with a minute left you know go for it please <laughs> <laughs> um no like i'm glad you kind of brought up the place kickers real quick because i don't know what texas was thinking and we'll get into west virginia of course but i don't know what texas was thinking there was one kick i believe it was in the second half where that ball was going straight out of bounds and i i think it was duvenay from Texas, caught yeah. it right at the boundary, like right on the sideline, and then ran sideways and basically got to like the 13-yard line. No idea what's what's going on with that. But, I mean, and there wasn't even that much of a breeze at all that day in the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, place kicking, special teams has been incomplete is probably the best grade you probably could have given it. Yeah, didn't Duvernay also fair catch one and then let it bounce, which is yep. not yep. part of how you do a fair catch? I mean, I was I was excited. Um, I also didn't know that I didn't I didn't know that that was a rule. Like I know I know you can fair catch it now inside the twenty five, even in the field of play, and get the ball at the twenty five. Yep. I didn't know that if you dropped it and you recover it, then it's the ball's dead right there. I thought it was they were just going to get the ball at the twenty five. So you learn something new every day. There you go. Um, but yes, let us get right into the reason why we're all here. So we'll start with the good stuff, John. What are three things that you are looking for out of OU tomorrow against West Virginia? Uh, well, we mentioned it a little bit. Um, I want to see Oklahoma. They're, they're number one. The tweet came out for this week from College Football Focus or somebody like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. 
that uh, Oklahoma is number one in the country in defensive line sack percentage. I that- didn't know that defensive line sack percentage was a thing, but apparently uh, 14% of the time when the quarterback drops back, there's a chance he's going to be sacked by the Oklahoma defensive line. So pretty impressive. Those guys had six of the nine quarterback sacks last week. So uh, I would expect them to, with Austin Kendall dangling out there like a, like a carrot for a hungry horse, um, they're going to they're gonna try and run him down a lot. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Like the def- the defensive line has been the constant. I feel all year on um, in if we're just talking about the defense, but I don't know, John. Maybe it's just because I've been hurt so many years in a row. I've been I've been just a scorn lover for so long that at some point the defense is going to have a bad game, right? But like every they have every advantage to um in their favor tomorrow, and plus they're just better. And maybe this defensive line is just frankly maybe they're just special and while you're never going to really learn anything if OU beats a team like West Virginia I I'll take the contrary belief on that one if OU goes out there and dominates that tells me a lot about this team yeah and uh, one of the other things that I would be looking for in this game is not put it kind of hand in hand I guess with defensive line pressure on the quarterback West Virginia comes in here as a one-dimensional team. They're averaging 94 yards per game rushing. They're averaging 3.1 yards per carry. I mean, they're at the very bottom of FBS in both of those categories. Oklahoma's run defense has been pretty good this season. Um, and and if you, they've got fewer rushing yards as a team than the Oklahoma starting quarterback does. And this ain't the wishbone. So it's just remarkable. Jalen Hurts, once he got 600-something yards rushing, uh, 630 yards rushing, and West Virginia has 566 as a team. Uh, ouch. So if you can make a one-dimensional team even more one-dimensional, then yeah, it's going to be a long day for Austin Kendall because they're going to they're going to they're not going to be afraid. They're not going to try to load the box because West Virginia can't run the football already. So oh, you can just play coverage all day, and you know when when Austin Kendall doesn't have anybody to throw to, that defensive line is going to be getting to him. So those are the two things. Uh, two of the three things I would be looking for out of the Oklahoma defense. Yeah, go ahead and finish it off because I mean I, I agree with you. Other than I, I guess I would just add to if yeah OU's run defense has been fairly good all year. They've just had a problem with basically like it seems like every game like there's one or two big runs like 40, 50 yard, 40 yard, 50 yard burst because somebody basically misses a tackle in the hole. It happened against UCLA. Happened against K- Kansas. I think maybe twice because Puka's just friggin' good. And then Texas gets their first touchdown of the, of the day uh, pretty much just because Roshan Johnson runs straight up the middle, uh, breaks a tackle, and is gone for like 60 yards. But, um, yeah, outside of just one or two plays a game, OU's run defense been very good. And, yeah, they probably don't need to be stacking the box. But go ahead and uh, finish off your third one. Sure. It's, uh, it's Jalen Hurts. What I'd like to see out of him this week is um, be more careful with the football. Please. West Virginia, yeah, no doubt. West Virginia has uh, four interceptions on the season. It's not very much. <clears throat> Their secondary is pretty good. <clears throat> Their defensive line can be uh, real problematic. Um, Darius Sills and Dante Sills are are dangerous uh, defensive linemen. You know, each have four quarterback sacks this season. Yeah. What you need, and maybe this is more on the offensive line than it is on Jalen because. If Jalen is allowed to stay in the pocket, execute the passing game, the the play that's called, and find his first read, find even his second read, I think he's going to be fine. If he's forced to run out of the pocket, I'm going to take you back to Lawrence, Kansas. I'm going to take you back to Dallas, Texas. When he is forced to leave the pocket, he has this 
maybe quarterback mentality machismo that exists that by golly, I have to make a play, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to thread this football in there. I'm going to put it past those three guys. That's not how Lincoln Riley wants his quarterbacks to play football. So maybe a combination of the offensive line needs to be really good against the uh, West Virginia front. And, and then when, when they are, Jalen Hurts needs to execute in the pocket. If he leaves the pocket, his efficiency drops dramatically. Well, I mean, this might be a good segue because I don't, I don't actually know what three things scare you. But could this possibly something that could, you know, that scares you for OU's chances tomorrow is just the the ability for Jalen Hurts to uh, not necessarily make boneheaded plays, but maybe miss some guys, uh, make a quick decision when he could have had a little bit more time to see the play develop, or just like he did against Texas, where he just has two very, very bad turnovers at two very bad times. Yeah, if he's not too upset about not being named Homecoming King, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> Shout out Eddie Radosevich. <laughs> That's right. Good stuff, <laughs> Eddie. Hey, you got him to come out of his shell. You got to you got to applaud that. I know but, he actually expounded upon an answer or uh, <laughs> uh, expounded upon a question. Excuse me. Yeah, he actually did. I thought he was going to walk away and just smirk, but he actually answered it. So pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would say that that dovetails into um, the, one of the things I would be afraid of if I were Sooner fan is. Jalen Hurts being loose with the football, Jalen Hurts trying to make a play, Jalen Hurts trying to force the issue when, in reality, all he has to do is execute the offense. I mean, yeah, it's it's really that simple. OU is just so talented on the perimeter. They're so talented with just Jalen Hurts. Um, it's I, I don't want to say that it's like hard to screw this up because that that is kind of insulting to Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley because they're, they're the ones that make it all go. But it kind of is at the same time. Like Lincoln Riley is going to draw up plays that gets his best guys in the best positions to make plays, and Jalen just has to to, to uh, deliver the ball, or at times have to trust the fact that the play is going to be there. Just be patient and let it develop. But uh, I don't know. Like, should I be a little worried about his hand? Because Maybe. I mean, yeah. it it was the play where he got um where he lost the ball like on that fumble right where the Texas defender was it B J Foster that hit him right in the hand? Uh, I don't think that's the one that got his hand hurt. I'm oh, not I, sure. Because was it the was it his palm or was it like the back of his hand that was well, all screwed it, up? I don't know. Um, I think it was the back of his hand, but I saw his hand get grabbed one time down there coming off the goal line. He. He threw a pass, and the D lineman got to him just a little bit late and kind of grabbed his hand. And then uh, another time, I mean, the um, Asai had his hand on when he passed the ball behind his back to his left hand. Yeah. He was reaching and scraping at his hand there. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. Here's the thing with that. No, nobody talked about it. Nobody reported it. He walks into the press conference with a wrap on his hand. You know, nothing big or grotesque or anything. It's just kind of a little piece of tape around his palm and the back of his hand. And he actually said during the press conference, yeah, I couldn't grip the ball because uh, I got my hand hurt and, and it was uh, swollen and I couldn't. I'm like, what? So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When a quarterback gets his hand hit, that's his that's his moneymaker. So that's something certainly to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing that that w- w- would concern me is if this was the type of injury that after the adrenaline wears off, you know, on Saturday, it yeah. just gets progressively worse. I would probably safely assume that that's not going to be the case. But where this would concern me is just ball security. Um, when he does take off, um, I would just hope 
he's a little bit more cautious with the with ball security and where the football and placement of the football. And he he talked about that when he he brought up his own his uh, his fumble against Texas, where I've got to be better holding mm-hmm. onto the football in that situation. I mean, it was a good hit that the guy put the helmet right where you're supposed to put your head, um, trying to uh, force a turnover at a great uh, opportune time, but it was just unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But yes. Go ahead. Number two. So, yeah, the number two thing I would be worried about if I'm a Sooner fan is uh, Austin Kendall has the revenge game of his life. I mean, he he almost won the Heisman in 2018, did he not? <laughs> second oh. second quarterback in the country, was he not? John, if if this if this happens tomorrow, if Austin Kendall is out there throwing for 400, 500 yards like Will Greer, and you keep bringing that up, I might mute you for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no. He- I, trust a, me, I have toyed with this thought already. Yeah, I have toyed yeah. with this thought. I mean, there's always you're, that. You're, there's you're always the fear. There's always the fear whenever OU has played a former assistant coach, um, a former player, that they're going to have the game of their lives. I thought I toyed with that thought last year when OU played FAU and Chris Robinson's dumbass yeah. strolled out there and played awful. So, I mean, that is always going to be in play. Austin Kendall is certainly familiar with. The stadium, he's familiar with the field. He's going to be familiar with the facilities. He's not going to be rattled in terms of just like, wow, this is a huge college football cathedral. I mean, all the 85,000 fans are going to be like booing him, yeah. but he's not going to be rattled by the environment. It's it's up to OU's defense to rattle him in that respect. So, uh, yeah, Austin Kendall having the game of his life. Ugh. Well, he, he And there's another side of that, too. I mean, yeah, his offensive line stinks. Uh, they've been given up plenty of quarterback sacks this year. But he's got a couple of big play receivers. Sam James is a guy that uh, early in the season, at least, looked like he might be an all-Big 12-type talent. And then last week uh, against Iowa State, it was T.J. Simmons who came up with several big plays. Uh, they're, they're both right now underutilized um, comparatively with what we're used to with guys like C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown and D.D. Westbrook, of course. But they're good players. Sam James uh, has got 37 catches. He's only averaging about 10 yards a catch. And then TJ Simmons is up and coming, but he's got 25 catches. He averages about 13 yards a catch. I think both those guys are really good. So the way that Austin Kendall could have his ultimate revenge game is if those guys are able to expose the Oklahoma cornerbacks and and safeties. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia is like, maybe I overestimate them as a program. I I enjoy that West Virginia is in the Big 12. I I highly respect their history. I mean, I think, what are they, the winningest program that hasn't won a national title? I I don't know if that's still true or not. Um, But it seems like to me, like, um, even in down years, they always seem to have, like, one or two skill position guys that can win a game for them. And even in big big games, big moments, like like the one they have tomorrow against OU, uh, West Virginia is always a, a program that I expect. There's at least one guy out there that runs a four three, right? There's always one oh, yeah. fast as hell, Tavon Austin, uh, Noel Devine. I'll go a little bit deeper into the into the I bank like on the, on that one. Um, yeah, like I'm always fearful of West Virginia skill position players. It's just going to come down to if Austin Kendall can get the ball to them accurately. But again, OU's defense. If they. <laughs> I'm just I'm just excited, John. The, the the defense is good. I'm so glad. It, it's fun when they're going out onto the field that I get excited now. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, third thing that uh, that that I would be afraid of if I'm an OU fan. Um, uh, you you're probably going to laugh at me for this one. Oh, Go you ahead. Can't, oh, you can't run the football. 
um, conventionally or if, if they go out there and and West Virginia says, you know what, Jalen Hurts, you think you're Mister Heisman? Let's see you beat us with the pass. We're going to stick eight in the box on every play. I mean, and if I'm, they if they do that, then Ceedee Lamb's going to destroy them. Probably Charleston Ram Charleston Ram is going to run right behind them. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any question. But let's just say I don't know the wind kicks up or you know the, a sudden rain cloud. I think we're down for 64 degrees and sunny all day. But let's just say a rain cloud comes up. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah, I get you. I know what you're saying. Devil's advocate here. If Oklahoma tries to run the football and can't because West Virginia stacks the box, um, do we know for sure that Oklahoma can run the football when it wants to in a in a third and two type setting down near the goal line? Do we know for sure that Oklahoma can can get a tough yard? I I don't know that we do know that for sure yet because their offense is so dynamic in so many different areas. Uh, and Jalen Hurts is such a dangerous runner that when they turn or, or you know, lean to the side and hand off to Trey Sermon, who didn't touch the ball last week, or Ramondre Stevenson or Kennedy Brooks, can those guys get that one tough yard? That's what I don't know yet. Yeah, and Rufus brought it up on the uh, Tuesday pod about how, like, OU's bread and butter running play, the GT counter, um, the guard and the tackle that has to pull on this season's team, that they're just not athletically there to the point where uh, we've seen over the last two seasons with that NFL offensive line where they could just run that yeah. and pick up easy easy yards conventionally with Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks. And I could be wrong, but I think the vast majority of OU's conventional running play touchdowns, so what I mean by that is when Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson are basically handed the ball <laughs> – I feel like most of their touchdowns have come on runs longer than 10 yards. I can't really recall that many examples of Trey Sermon getting the ball on the goal line and OU deciding we're going to hand it off to him and then he gets two yards and a touchdown. Because yeah. it's either it's either been um, Lincoln Riley's called like a quick slant or like a fade like he did with C.D. Lamb in that, on that first touchdown play where Charleston Rambo sets the not pick on the <laughs> defensive back and uh, Lamb is wide open. It's either that or they just go – they just try to basically outnumber the defense and have Jalen Hurts batter ram his way into the end zone. So, I mean, that's a fair that's a fair um, observation to make about this team. I, f- I feel like that's like the last probably the last hurdle this team has is just prove to me when you know, yeah. s- like you said, when you know something happens, when the elements might be against you, or for whatever reason, can Kennedy Brooks or, or Trey Sermon help OU win a game like they've like they've done in the past. Right, and to be fair, I mean, Trey Sermon's averaging 7.7 yards per carry, Kennedy Brooks (laughs) 8.9, and Ramondre Stevenson 10.2. And if that's not working, Jalen Hurts is averaging 8.5. So they can get the yards. What I want to know is can they get the tough yards when they really need it? God, they suck, John. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess... I guess before the uh, score prediction, I did want to get one thing off my chest, and I, I was actually really curious what you thought about this. Um, I know the whole thing about Alex Grinch's defense going into this season was, you know, getting the two turnovers a game uh, to cr- cause turnovers, to create turnovers. I get all that. I, I just don't see because I've heard a few people over um, this past week basically say. Eh, the defense was really, really good, and they went, they won OU that game against Texas, no doubt, but they didn't cause any turnovers. And, and they say it in such a way like it's a bad thing. Look, the whole point of a defensive unit is to stop your opponent from scoring. And, yeah, is it fun and cool and exciting to get an interception? Is it fun, cool, and exciting to cause a fumble? Yeah, but the result is the same. OU's offense got the ball back. 
a yeah. bunch of times against Texas. The problem was is OU's offense stalled in the middle part of the game that it it kind of took away from how dominant the defense truly was because if the offense had just scored, you know, maybe 10 more points in the second quarter or in the third quarter, that game is over. Yeah. It is not a game in the fourth quarter. So, Easy. like, I, I'm just curious. Like, are, are you at all concerned that OU hasn't necessarily caused the amount of turnovers that fans, that Alex Grinch probably expected going into the year? Uh, I'll pull, for, before I answer that, I'll pull back the curtain for you a little bit and say on uh, Monday when we were interviewing the defensive players after practice and coaches, um, Alex Grinch got that question about ten times, various versions of it, and he, he was doing his best to answer them. And as a reporter, I'm sitting there and I'm looking him in the face. I got my camera, you know, and, and got the recorder going. And I'm thinking, don't do it. Don't ask it. Don't do not ask it. Oh, come on. It would be fun. It maybe then he might get mad and, and be unnecessarily angry with you for no reason. I almost asked him and I was trying to think of a, a good way to ask. Maybe you should stop giving out candy bars and start giving out like a turnover chain or something like that. Stop this. Uh, yeah. Stop this madness, John. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I didn't ask because you know it's just not something I want to aggravate the defensive coordinator over. But <laughs> you know, they talked. He talked about it again. He's like, "Yeah, we're giving out candy bars for this." I'm like, "Dude, these are 20 year old, 22 year old men. They don't care about candy bars. They want they want bling. They want to you know pose in front of the camera with the turnover chain." I don't know. I don't know what the secret is for this team. Here's what I would worry about is that they try to get turnovers. They, they press on it so much, and they emphasize it so much that they go into a game and they forget about tackling. Remember yeah, Trey Brown they, said they, go ahead. You know, weeks ago, I think week two or week three, week, Trey Brown, after the UCLA game, said, uh, I, I've, I've improved this and I've worked on that and I've tried to hone my craft, but I've neglected my tackling. That happens. Guys yeah. can, can sh- shift their mindset or think about other things or – think, oh, if he holds the football here, I'm going to strip it out, and boom, there he goes. He put the B button on you, spun around you because you were trying to get the football out. Now he's going 70 yards for a touchdown. That's what I would worry about is that, guys, don't fret. The turnovers will come. The turnovers will happen when they happen. You you can force the issue. There's no doubt about it. But for the most part, you're going to have to just take them when they come. Don't forget the fundamentals of what got you to week six, week seven of being a good defense, and that's Gang tackling, good tackling, form tackling, and getting guys on the ground. Yeah, and especially if you're if you're wanting to talk about just the Texas game, because I mean Texas offense, and especially Sam Ellinger in his third year as the starting quarterback, um, and in his third OU Texas game in the Cotton Bowl, um, they're just not an offense that turns the ball over. They're just not an offense that throws high risk plays. They they don't do a lot of high risk stuff, and so a lot of what they're what they're trying to do is just. Part, partly they're trying to out-physical you, and it became apparent, I don't know, five seconds into the game, that that just wasn't going to fly against OU this year. Um, so if they can't out-physical you, they're just going to try to out-fundamental you by running their offense, and their offense just doesn't turn the ball over that much. It just, To me, it just doesn't concern me that much. If they're, if they're forcing punts, if they're getting sacks, those to me are just as important. I, I know they're not technically, but given where this defense has been, those are just important to me um, as a um, um, as a turnover. So I mean that's just that's just my yeah. two cents. No, good stops. You know that's what that's what college football is right now. It's get stops. It's forced field goals when instead of touchdowns. It's forced punts instead of field goals. And don't worry about turnovers. Turnovers will have, turnovers are down everywhere. Turnovers are down across the country because teams offensive teams are taking care of the football better. So 
I wouldn't worry about it too much. All right, John. Now we got to do the score prediction. So again, it's a thirty-three and a half point spread. Probably got that wrong. The over/under is at sixty-four and a half. So Vegas thinks that this is going to be like fifty-five to seven or something like that. I mean, I don't. I, I'm not a mathematician, so. <laughs> um. Okay. Oklahoma is currently three and three against the spread this year. Man, no yeah. playoff. No playoff this year. <laughs> Good teams win. Great teams cover. <laughs> <laughs> um. By the way, Texas was and ten and a half was my lock of the week last week. Nailed it. Just oh saying. yeah. Um. <laughs> I I go back and forth on this. I, I'm going back and forth between fifty eight twenty one and fifty four twenty one. Okay. Yeah, like I, I can certainly see like Austin Kendall, like the juices are flowing early. OU is kind of on a OU Texas hangover, and then they wake up, and so it might be like an extended Kansas game where Kansas it was fourteen seven at what at half or twenty one seven at half, um, and then OU goes on to sco- score forty two unanswered points, and the game was you know it's well over at that point, and then Kansas scores at the end. But yeah, I could certainly see something like that. I think what my brain has been telling me. 58 to 13 OU. So take the over. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're taking the over and covering. I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the over and not cover. I'm going to go 54-21. Good. I'm glad that we're uh, different on that one. So, so on the on the post game show, just extra point for me. Yeah, so on the post game show, we can tell each other that we were either right or wrong and <laughs> gloat and all that stuff, but that was good. Yeah, well, John, thank you so much for uh finding some time. Uh yeah, it's a little bit a little bit more difficult during basketball season and football season, but we will get it out. We're um, making it work. Yeah, and we will try and do a post-game show whenever John is basically on his way home from Norman at like 6 or 7 o'clock at night after the after he's done at the game um, on the way to Tulsa. So, um, yeah, we will get out more and more content for you guys. Um, yeah, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the pregame uh, show on the Inside OU podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. But for Mr. John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at thefranchiseok.com. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. And be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.